Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I invite you to turn to the New Testament Gospel of Luke, chapter 7 beginning at verse 19, and I'll just say from the outset, this was not the message that I was intending to preach, but yet, once again, it seems like, Pastor, every time I I, I get in the midst of this congregation, it's like the Lord just gives me uh, a fresh right now word that, I don't know if it's for anybody here, but it's certainly for me, and uh, because I'd studied and prepared something entirely different, and then... Uh, when Brian, the Tar Heels fan, had asked me uh, the name of uh, my scripture reference, oh, kidding aside, the, the name of my scripture reference, I just couldn't get away from this. So I want to obey God this morning. And uh, Pastor Aaron, you, you always give us that liberty to, to obey the Lord, and I thank you for that. If you're physically able to stand, may we all stand to honor the reading of the Word of God. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 19, uh, from the New King James Version. Verse 19, it reads, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Boy, to fully understand that question sent from who it was sent. It was sent from John, his cousin. John, who sat there at the rivers of Jordan and saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. That John who leapt in his mother's womb when Elizabeth came into Mary's presence, but yet... Because of things he went through in his 2022. Doubts evaded. And he had to ask, are you the one? Let's read further. Verse 20, when men, when the men had come to him and said, John the Baptist has sent us to us saying, are you the coming one? Are you the Christ? Or do we look for another? And that very hour He cured cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor, the gospel is preached to them, and blessed is he now I could pause right there and poll the congregation and ask who needs a blessing 
who's coming out of the throes of 2022 right here at the threshold of 23. We're in the lobby of it, so to speak. Who needs a blessing? And certainly most of our hands, if not all, would go up. Well, God's word said, blessed is he. How? Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Before we go to our Lord in a word of prayer, I'd like to speak to you just a short while on the thought. Offended. Offended. Breaking the power of offense. It plagues the church. It plagues relationships with family, with friends, with co-workers. We're so easily offended. Right about now, in the early part of the day of a brand new year, first day of the year, first Sunday of the year, we all have flooded our thoughts, at least whether we've taken the time to tell someone or whether we've written it down. We've, we've made a list, a mental list, a, a tangible list. Maybe you made a note on your phone of things you're going to do, things you're not going to do. I ask you to consider adding this because we're so easy to be offended in our age of political correctness it it seems as though that we find ourselves walking on a tightrope walking on eggshells because we feel like we might offend somebody have you ever been in the company of someone and and it's like you had to measure every word because you were afraid you were going to offend them. Anybody? Now, those of you who didn't raise your hands, you can't because they're sitting next to you. If that's not the case, then you, you must be the one. It seems that someone somewhere will declare that I'm offended. A man or woman could be right at the threshold of winning an election. <coughs> All it takes is one wrong word, and the entire thing could be derailed. People are offended. Celebrities, professional athletes, the list goes on and on. They could be at the top of their careers, and all it takes is one careless remark, and someone is offended, and it all falls apart. Careers can be derailed by one wrong word because we live in an age where people can be so easily offended. And the sad comment about it is, it seems more evident in the church. This year of 2023 makes 35 years, or will make 35 years, that Jamil and I have been in full-time evangelistic ministry. Before that, we traveled and sang with my uncle. Uh, many of you may remember Brother Quentin Mills. But I, I said that all of those years in ministry, never have I seen a time more prevalent than now where people are so easy to be offended, and it seems like it's creeping into the church. There are people who were in church, but they're no longer involved. Why? 
They're sitting at home on Sundays because somebody offended them. Now, surely I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about a church on the other side of town. No, the sad comment of it is that it seems to affect, or maybe I should say infect, all of us. And let me make my disclaimer. No, I've not spoken to the pastor or to the board or to the elders of the church. No, but I sincerely feel the Holy Spirit nudging me in this direction. There are people who started out with zeal, with vision, with, with vigor, but now they're sitting at home kind of like an athlete who's been injured and he has to sit on the bench. Anybody used to play uh, sports in high school or college, maybe you were on the football team or the basketball team and, and you got injured and the doctor said, you really need to set out a few games and maybe... Maybe the coach let you suit up, but you knew you weren't getting in the game. So your zest, your zeal, your, your enthusiasm wasn't there. You, you looked like the other players, but you weren't really in it because you'd been injured. How much more are we like that in the church? But Brother Mills, you don't understand somebody hurt my feelings. Well, God bless your little old feelings. And I'm not diminishing. Sometimes we are truly the innocent victim. And then sometimes we're offended because we're so sensitive. There are even preachers. Yeah, that's right. I said that. Uh, it, it goes from the pulpit to the back of the sanctuary. There are preachers who once function in their calling who once operated on the anointing, but now they're bitter. They're cynical. They're sitting on the sidelines because somebody offended them. They're singers, church workers, and, and a side note, the singers, the musician of the, of the Soprona Road Church here, you're blessed with talented musicians and singers. But sometimes, you know, we as singers, we are musicians. We're a different breed because we, we try to play skillfully before the Lord. And if, Pastor, if you don't stroke my ego just right, I'm going to take my drumsticks and go home. No, I'm talking about people in other counties. But all kidding aside... There are singers, there are church workers, people who once function in their calling, but because somebody offended him, they, they sit on the sidelines or they don't even come. They wave the white flag, they've thrown in the towel, they've called it quits because somebody hurt their feelings. And now they sit wounded and bitter, not realizing that they've fallen, in, fallen into the age-old trap of offense. I believe in my heart it's a spirit. I believe in my heart that the demonic forces have set up a special action committee. That if I know what buttons to push, if I can make Brother Bobby offended, because uh, if I don't offend him, if I don't sidetrack him, he's a worshiper. 
But if I know how to say the things that will offend him, he'll sit right there, for example. Let me tell you this, not giving credence to the devil, but he's been a devil longer than you've been alive. So don't you think for a moment that he knows what buttons to push. But somebody help me, please. But I think she's saying it earlier, but I just speak the name of Jesus. The spirit of offense is the only, is one of Satan's most subtle traps, but it's also one of his most successful and effective traps. Now hear this. I found out in many ways that the spirit of offense is very much like carbon monoxide. It's tasteless. It's colorless. It's odorless. You certainly can't see it. But like carbon monoxide, it can be a silent killer, at least spiritually speaking. And the sad part of it is that many people have fallen under that trap and they don't realize it. It has the ability to sneak up on us. And before we know it, it has affected our minds, our attitudes, our mindset. And eventually it will affect our behavior. Now, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this part down. Well, let me back up for a minute. I, I want to read to you the Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, the definition of offense. To offend is to create resentment, hurt, or displeasure. It implies causing hurt feelings intentionally or even unintentionally by wounding someone's feelings. In other words, even unintentionally, I can wound you. Brother Tommy back there, I can say something that would wound your spirit. And I didn't even know it. I, I, ladies, you know, we men, most of the time, the, the mouth works independently of the brain. We don't always know. I thought I'd get a couple amens, lady. Help me out. So the offense can be intentionally with malice with harmful intent, or it can be unintentionally. Here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. The original Greek word for the word offense is scandala. Scandala, in which we get our modern day word, scandal. Say that slowly, scandal. It even sounds devious when you say it, doesn't it? Well, here's what's really interesting. Originally, this word referred to a part of a hunting trap. How many men or, or ladies for that part are, are hunters? Well, whether you do it with, a, uh, uh, with dogs or a tree stand or whether you do it with uh, guns or with a bow and arrow. The scandala is the word that originally referred to a part of a hunting trap in which the bait was attached. The scandala is a part of a hunting trap that you attach the bait. If I want to attract the animal that I'm hunting for, I know what draws him. I intentionally put something there 
that that animal is by instinct drawn to. And I put it on the scandala, the offense, because I know he can't resist it. Do you think for a moment the prince of darkness wouldn't do that same subtle, devious method? He knows what areas are sensitive to you and me. And he puts the bait there. Look at your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. If we're ever going to get a breakthrough from God, especially in this brand new year of 23, we've got the purpose in my mind. He's baiting me. I'm not going to take the bait. We need to understand the devil has designed this trap in such a way as intended to do two things. Number one, to cause great pain and to wound us. Excuse me. To cause great pain and to wound us. And it's intended to cause us to be hindered in our Christian journey. If I can just hinder you, I don't have to stop you from coming to church. All I've got to do is just hinder you. All I've got to do is just hinder you to crush your spirit. Can you imagine if this would be the strategy of hell? He knows what buttons to push. I've learned that the best of Christians struggle with the temptation of falling into the trap of offense. When I think of different Bible characters that we read about in the Old and the New Testament, some, they, they just seem like spiritual giants. Like, surely Moses, surely David followed after God's own heart, a friend of God. But when we read deeper, we learn they struggled with the things that many times similar to what we struggle with. Here we read in the Gospel of Luke that John the Baptist is a different setting for him now. He's not on the shores of the Jordan River with the voice of God thundering, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's not seeing the Holy Spirit descend in the form of a dove and, and lighting or, or landing on Jesus' shoulder, but yet the, the scenery is very different. He's in a cold, dark, damp dungeon. And he's been in prison. Why? Well, that's a message all in itself. But let me just say, he had enough backbone to proclaim the truth, even when it wasn't popular. Folks, the last day church that we are, we need men and women with a backbone to proclaim the truth. Not to win a popularity contest, but to proclaim the truth. Now John is in this dungeon waiting to be executed. And here's where this giant of the faith gets like you and me. I imagine, I, I, I want to portray John. Can you imagine 
He's in the chamber. They throw him scraps maybe once a day. They throw him dirty, diluted water perhaps once a day. If he has any human contact, it's hearing the soldiers bring other prisoners in. Maybe he hears a prisoner uh, down the, the aisle there and they're speaking. Have you heard of Jesus? This, this man from Nazareth. He, he's preaching something like we've never heard before. He, blinded eyes are being opened. Lame legs are walking. Lepers are being cleansed. And John is sitting here hearing this. And like you and myself, John is thinking, wait a minute. That's my cousin. Wait a minute. I was there. I was there when God the Father confirmed him. So his fame is spreading abroad and, and I'm in prison. Folks, sometimes our circumstances around us our circumstances around us, if we're not careful, it can make us doubt the things that we know. If, if Satan has ever launched an all-out attack, it's in these last days. Now, John the Baptist is saying, surely. Maybe he's a, 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 he's a good rabbi. But maybe he's not the anointed. He, he's beginning to doubt what he knew. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He's the one that said he must increase. Brother Leon, he said, Jesus, he must increase. I must decrease. And now he's offended. Look at your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Your bait might not look like what John's did, but he knows what you're susceptible to. Jamil and I come from the Native American Halawasaponi tribe. I don't want to get on a, a, a racial uh, target here, but some are like even one of my favorite teams of, of, in the NFL was the former Washington Redskins. And I know some people who would be offended if... I'm not offended. Now, I don't want to take my message on a tangent, but you see, here's my point. Your bait might be different than that one, than that person. But certainly Satan knows. He's not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, but he studied your behavior enough to know how you're going to react. And understand this, I want to determine in this brand new year of 23, I'm not going to take the bait. The things, the way I used to react to, Lord, I don't want to react that way. He said, behold, all things are become new. Is what God's word promises us. So how, how do we, 
How do we break the power of offense? How do we break the power of offense? Number one. Some of us are under the illusion that when we come to church, that everything's going to be, everybody's going to see things my way. Every, I, I've got a good idea, pastor. Let me tell you the way it ought to be. And when someone else may have a different idea, or, or, or then I get all bent out of shape. So number one, Remove misguided expectations that we're always going to see things eye to eye. That's a given, but how I respond to that determines whether I will fall victim and take the bait. Good place to say amen right there. Wait a minute, Brother Mills. I come to church to be blessed, certainly, but you also come to be instructed. I know this is a man of study, and when he's prayed and studied and God's given him a word, you get marching orders, so to speak. You get divine assignment, so to speak. You get spiritual instruction. When you joined the church, when you became part of the fellowship, you didn't join a social club. You joined the army of God. The apostle Paul told young Timothy to endure hardness like a good soldier. See, John had misguided expectations. Ladies, don't have misguided expectations that your husband might not say something dumb. Amen? I thought my wife was going to shout then. Ladies, you know we don't know. Misguided expectations. That's a tangent. But the danger with offense is many times we will use it Uh, The enemy will deceive us into thinking our offense, we use it as an excuse to stay offended. And if we're not careful, we can't wait to share that offense with someone else. To infect someone else's ears. So basically, as I said, we have two choices. Number one, we can choose to be easily offended and let it take root in our hearts. Or we can, secondly, we can reject offense. I realize it's more easily said than done. Pastor, as you were making the declarations, they were not empty words. It blessed me. May I add this as a suggestion? Lord, I declare, I decree I will not take the bait. I will not be easily offended. Whether the offense is intentional, whether they didn't even know, it's unintentional. Many times I've seen people walk around with wounded hearts and they didn't even, 
the person who offended them didn't even know. They're walking around living their best life. And you're carrying that wound, that bitterness. According to James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, and you won't have to turn there. But I will not walk in bitterness. I will not allow my spirit to be poisoned. I want to bring this last point to you. As a matter of fact, our response to offense will often determine our level of promotion. How many wants to be spiritually promoted? To go to a new level in our walk with God. And and not only spiritually promoted, but I learned that that, that God will promote us in practical things. Maybe uh, you get promoted at your job. Maybe you, you, you get a financial increase. How we respond to offense often determines our level of promotion. Case in point. Anybody remember... We remember uh, King David. We Pentecostal people, we love to talk about how he danced before the Lord. But I want to go a little bit further back and talk about David the shepherd boy. Anybody remember David the shepherd boy? And we read about in the Old Testament where God sent the prophet to Jesse's house, David's father. God had told the prophet to go to Jesse's house. I'm going to appoint and anoint one of his sons to be the next king over all of Israel. For example now, Brother Bobby, for example, you are Jesse. I'm the prophet, and you've got five sons. And I go to you and I proclaim, thus saith the Lord, in all New King James dialect and, and even further back in the Aramaic. And I say, the Lord has told me to anoint and appoint one of your sons. And his logic, his thinking is, let me get my, my son who's a great warrior. Stand for me. You, you saw it coming, didn't you? And he's a great warrior. He's slain many Philistines. But you know what? The Spirit of God doesn't confirm this with the prophet. So he says, no, this is not the one. Thank you. (laughs) He's not the one. Would you stand for me? What's your name? Roger. Roger that. Roger is also skillful with a sword. Back in his time, he was a ninja of a swordsman. It seems like he would be the likely one. But God doesn't confirm this with the prophet. So he says he's not the one. He's gone through what seems like the, the, the most powerful, the most skillful He even goes to the other sons, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl. And they're not the one. And he goes back to Jesse and says, Jesse, I know that God has told me to anoint one of your sons. 
do you have any more sons? And, and Brother Bobby Jesse here, he says, well, I've got one more. But he's such a young boy. One translation says he's kind of ruddy. Another translation says, right about now he smells like sheep dung. Really, I'm not being disrespectful. It's there. And Jesse says, well, I know he told me to go to one of your sons and, and go get him. He's on the far side herding our sheep. So they get the youngest son. I, 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 this young man right here, what's your name? No, Shane, you are six foot 13. <laughs> I, what, what's your name right here? Nathan? Would you stand for me, Nathan? All right, Nathan is the younger brother. He doesn't have the power, the skill. He, he seems like the unlikely candidate but all of a sudden, God confirms that this is the one. This is the one. Nathan, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you join me right here? Somebody frisk Nathan that he doesn't have a weapon because <laughs> I'm putting him on the spot. <laughs> Nathan. And they've, the Spirit has confirmed Jesse's son, the youngest one. He's the one. Now, why am I saying all of this? Why am I taking this time to say something you've heard many, many times before? Because here is where Nathan or David could have taken the bait. He could have gotten offended. Back up with me, Nathan. He could have said, oh, no, wait a minute. You're just coming to me now? Wait a minute. You ask him? Wait, wait, wait. You even asked Roger. Wait, 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 no. You, you even asked Daryl. And Daryl. And now you come to me last. Now, I, folks, I know I'm being facetious, but my point is, Nathan or David could have been offended. Had David been offended, we never, perhaps never would have heard of David slaying Goliath. Had David been offended, we never would have read about my soul hungers after you. My soul follows hard after thee. I am a friend of God. Had he been offended, he never would have been promoted. What offense is keeping me from the plan that God has for my life? Thank you, Nathan. Give Nathan a hand. Thank you. What offense is keeping you from God's plan? How do I react? Maybe Pastor Aaron preached something. And if I'd be totally honest, I knew he was spot on point. But I chose to get offended. I'm getting mad at the messenger when I know it was right. Other places, not, not here, other places. So I leave this thought with you. Breaking the power of offense. 
let me say this, folks, that you notice when we read in our text. Did you notice when the messengers from John went to Jesus and they posed the question, or you he that should come or shall we look for another? It was almost like Jesus put a pause on what could have been an offense to him. Questioning his deity, he paused it and, and the scripture says that he healed the blinded eyes. He healed the leper. He returned Signs, wonders, and miracles. He, in other words, he regained focus on what was really important. Lord, help us to focus on what's really important and not the pettiness of, she hurt my feelings. Well, wait a minute. When Sister Heather gets up and sings, everybody shouts and worships. When I sing... I can hear the crickets chirping. Lord, don't let me be petty. Let me focus on what's really important. There may be some of us here today that you indeed have been wounded. You are the innocent victim. Could it be they don't even know that they wounded you? And sometimes we carry this bitterness for someone who doesn't even know they've hurt us. For me to be wounded and bitter because you said something to me that you don't even know hurt my feelings. For me to be wounded and mad about that is like me drinking poison and expecting it to hurt you. Remove misguided expectations. Make up your mind. I will reject the spirit of offense. Folks, I know it's very simple, very basic. If I may suggest, add that to your list of declarations. I believe we'll see God heal relationships. I believe we will see God move in our midst like we've never seen him move in our individual spiritual life. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.